We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hello there, folks. It is 610 in the Twin Cities on a gorgeous, gorgeous Saturday evening. All I can think of is I got preempted last week, but two weeks ago, it's hard to believe that two weeks ago what was going on was an actual blizzard. And I remember I ended up actually deciding that I should park over by TV and actually spend the night because I have to be at the television station, WCCO-TV, at about 4.15 in the morning. So I was really nervous about getting out of my driveway in the middle of the night and getting back there from radio and then, you know, getting out of the driveway. And I am so glad I made that call myself and our, the producer for the TV show, Sandra Lynn. And we both ended up staying down at the Doubletree. But I ended up – it was so bad I didn't want to drive over here from the Doubletree I didn't want to drive over here, which is just a few blocks, and park here. And it was really actually hard to walk. And it's amazing that it was that bad and that tough and, and that difficult. And now we've got really some nice weather finally. <laughs> so um, – and, and it was – I mean it was really bad. And I remember, I remember Eric Nelson calling in and, and uh, many other people. I remember Shaletta Brundage, who's also a producer here, talking about her her horrific drive-in two hours from Cottage Grove. It's so nice that that is over, folks. And uh, it, it's so nice that we are turning the corner and that things are getting green. And it's just uh, – it, it really is wonderful. And, and one of the things that we're actually going to be talking – we have a brief segment in our 7 o'clock hour. And I think this is so cool. Uh, the Minneapolis Farmer's Market uh, is back in business. Uh, I think they may have started at some locations. But you know which one is going to reopen for the first time in four years? Four years, folks. The one on the Nicollet Mall. Because they took it out in 2015. It was out in 2016. It was supposed to be back in 2017. And they weren't ready. So they put it down by the government center which is if you ever if you ever gotten in trouble and you got to pay the big parking tickets, that's where you end up. It just wasn't the same. It's just not the same. Or else they tried on Hennepin. That didn't really work out, especially with everything being rerouted. But that is really going to be a, an awesome, awesome situation. Well, we've got a really fun segment coming up. Lindsay Gensel is obviously the producer for Chad Hartman, but she also has done a lot of reporting and producing for the twins in the past. And she's sort of, you know, I mean, she's an excellent reporter. She somehow got the gig to attend the first inaugural MLB Food Fest last week in New York City, and she actually got to try all the foods. And I, what I gather is that each major league team got to submit one or two entries, and so the best of the best was there. And I think she told me that uh, when Target Field was introducing their foods, oh, I know what it was. I know we were talking about the Bloody Mary. That's and she called in because. 
the, the, Ken Herbeck at his restaurant at Target Field has this crazy Bloody Mary. It's crazy. It's just sandwiches on top of sandwiches on top of sandwiches with the Bloody Mary underneath. And, I, you know, I was talking about it. It's like, where did this come from? And so Lindsay was there for the press event. But she said she was so busy, like, you know, taking notes and everything like that. She turned. She pivoted to get to the Bloody Mary bar. And they were gone. Surprise, shock, shock, shock. A bunch of reporters going for the Bloody Marys. But, you know, this is the first annual and I'll be interested to hear – and she's an avid cook. I'll be interested to hear how it went. I mean it sounds like a fun event to go to. I just want to say one thing, Esme. How dare you intimate – intimate the reporters, the news people of the highest <laughs> journalistic integrity could could somehow be somewhat maybe slightly alcoholic. Yeah. Because let me just tell you right now, that is an understatement. Understatement. We are definitely alcoholics. Well, I think it's funny because like Lindsay, as I said, called was good enough to call in, and um, as we were pondering this issue, and and she said that you know she was had just gotten the shawarma from the Holy Land, which is a wonderful restaurant in Northeast Minneapolis. They also have uh, they also have um, an outlet at the uh, International. Uh, is it, the International Market on Lake Street. The International Market on Lake Street, yes. Yeah, the, the, it's, the, it's, it's a wonderful yeah. – I've been going there for years, folks. It's it's wonderful. They're hummus divine. And, uh, you know, she says she just kind of getting the notes down on the shawarma and boom, no more Bloody Marys. So um, – and, of course, at 8 o'clock, we're going to be talking with Professor David Schultz of Hamlin University. We're actually going to talk to him obviously about politics but a really interesting uh, – Really interesting situation. If any of you have been following this remarkable case in, in California where they have arrested this man after decades through basically familial DNA that was collected, his cousins or some distant relative, relative submitted a DNA sample to one of these genealogy set, uh, sites and it was through that. When you submit a, a sample to one of these genealogy sites and this one is a public site, it's not one with passwords – and they were able to determine that the, that this distant cousin or distant relative was a partial match for the killer. And that's how they found him. But it's raising a lot of privacy concerns. In other words, if I decide to go on to a DNA DNA site to find out about my ancestors, you know, I'm signing the papers, you know, I'm agreeing to it. But what you're doing is you're also putting your entire family out there. And, and so it's really creating a very interesting debate about the law and privacy. And Professor David Schultz is going to talk about that and also politics as well. So let's take a quick break because I really want to hear from Lindsay Gensel about her trip to New York for the first inaugural MLB Food Fest uh, last week in New York City. It is 619 in the Twin Cities. Uh, if you're just joining me, I just shared the story about how we were talking about a few weeks ago about the new Bloody Marys at Target Field. And Lindsay Gensel, uh, Chad Hartman's producer, called in. Uh, she had covered the event and she said she was just about to turn to try one and realized they were all gone because all of the other media had went directly for a beeline to those. Uh, Lindsay Gensel joining us right now, and you just came back from New York where you were at the first MLB Food Fest. That yes, sounds so I, cool. I, it was actually really cool. So basically, MLB it, it understands how important each individual stadium 
is to its fans. And a part of that importance is, of course, the food and beverage that are that is offered. And, you know, the Twins are the perfect example of a team that have really um, welcomed in local restaurants, welcomed in local breweries, and want to showcase the best that their cities have to offer. And so MLB went to all 30 teams and said, give us your, your best item. Tell us what your fans are loving. We want to bring together baseball fans from across the country for this weekend of food. And it was like a giant baseball food hall. You walked up, there was a table for each of the of the teams, and you went up and you got to try what they were offering. And, and the really cool part was that at each of the stands, they did like a beverage pairing with it. So whether it would go great with a Bloody Mary or a specific kind of beer or a, a glass of wine, you know, they really took it that step further that when you think of going to the ballpark and you want to try something, what are you going to have that goes with it? Right. And, and so so what did so the twins had to decide what they were going to enter, right? Yes, they did. And I when I spoke with uh representatives from Major League Baseball, they really said that they didn't give any stipulation it's stipulations to the teams. They wanted the teams to either be as creative as they wanted to be, you know, the Seattle Mariners brought toasted grasshoppers what? Totally traditional. The Chicago Cubs brought a, a good old Nathan's hot dog with all the traditional Chicago fixings. So it was really. Wait, can we go back to the Seattle entry, please? <laughs> I, I just make sure I didn't. I didn't mishear that. Yes, they did toasted grasshoppers, and yes, I did eat them. And yes, there is video proof, so you can go to facebook.com slash Chad Hartman Show and watch yours truly down a a little cup full of toasted grasshoppers. And do they sell them at the Seattle ballpark? They do. Ah! What? And people get this. This would be the second year that they're that they're actually selling them at uh, Safeco Field in Seattle. Yes. And 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 the Lindsey Gensel verdict. You know, in all honesty, you can't get it. You can't get past the fact that you're eating a bug. So even (laughs) though they were heavily marinated in this like really spicy chili sauce, you can't get past the fact that like there are legs and antennas and all of those things that are not very appetizing when it comes to eating food. Okay. All right. But you tried them. Man, Lindsay, I, I'm so impressed. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, you know, I, I figured I couldn't go all the way out to New York and just, you know, stay in my safety zone. But going back to, you know, each of the teams being as individualized as they wanted, I was really happy with what the Twins put out there because obviously we know since Target Field was built, they have put such an emphasis on bringing in local brands, local products. One of them from the very beginning, Kramarchek, the fantastic um, deli located right up, you know, right over the river in Northeast and it's my go-to at Target Field. You get a, a, a Polish, you put a little sauerkraut on there, some onions, you know, mustard, a nice cold beer. Well, the twins took her Marchek and they made the curd Marchek. So they combined thinly sliced Kermarchek sausage with breaded cheese curds. And then they topped it all with this really nice brown gravy and then fresh scallions. And so it was like a little meal in itself. <laughs> <laughs> Just maybe seven thousand calories or whatever, but who cares about that? We, we aren't counting. We, we aren't counting. counting. But, but do they actually? I mean, that actually sounds insanely state fairishly good. It, do they? Do they actually offer that at the ballpark, or is this just a special for for this? I think this was just a special. It's something okay. that they've been working on. Um, so you know, there were there were some that were total. Hits, you know, uh, the Texas Rangers, they do this donut, glazed donut fried chicken slider, and it was incredible, and it was served with waffle fries. Uh, another one of my favorites, uh, the Dodgers, you know, they took elote, which is um, like Mexican street corn. Oh, I love they, that. I love oh, that. I, I, 
and I'm the exact same way. And to me, it's such a, a great food because it's on the stick. It's easy. It's easy to eat in the sense that you're picking kernels out of your teeth for hours afterwards. But you know, that's the one downside you just put up with. But they did a uh, Cheeto Lote. So they took crushed, spicy Cheetos and they rolled the corn in it, and it was awesome. It was wow. so good. And it's just, it's such a, a fiery photo. Um, all of the photos that I took of the items that I liked the best are actually up at WCCORadio.com. So you can go and take a peek. There were some um, ones, you know, I was, it's not just because it's Wisconsin, but the, the brewers did like a, a traditional cheddar bratwurst and, and people really liked it, but it's kind of, you know, it's, it's safe. It's, but, and, and they never, the, they'd never done this before, right? No, they have never done it before, and they uh, they sold out tickets in, in two days. And everyone I talked to just had a fantastic time. Um, it was pretty cool. The event that I went to that time was when they were bringing through uh, David Ortiz, who, uh, of all things, is now selling wine. He uh, was selling <laughs> a out. So, David uh, Ortiz, who looks of, like he enjoys a good meal or two. So He enjoys a good meal or two, but when I think Sauvignon Blanc, the last person that comes to mind is David Ortiz. But, that is you know, so funny. Him. Uh, Christy Brinkley was there as well. She has a new line of sparkling wines out. And so it was just kind of fun to see the connections that Major League Baseball has with so many different you know business entities. Wow. Okay. Uh, are there any other ones? And again, where was this in New York? It was actually on Fifth Avenue, right between 37th and 38th, so really close to Bryant Park. Right. Uh, this really cool event space that they just did out. I mean, you walked right in, and the first thing was a giant yellow ball pit that was supposed to look like pop popcorn. And, I mean, they just they went all out. There was a hot dog teeter-totter that you could actually ride. It was it was insanity, but that's I mean, Major League Baseball. They really know how to connect with fans, and it was an awesome weekend. Wow, that is so cool. Uh, are there any other ones? And, and so the public could go to this too. Yes. Oh, okay. yeah. It was open to the public, and the tickets just sold out so quickly. And you know, I think Major League Baseball looked at it as an experiment. How well will it go over? How will fans respond? And I have heard little rumblings of this being something that they could put on in, in different cities. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is because you know, yes. I think I think people would you know people like food festivals, and I mean, sort of like that. The taste of the NFL, you know, famously started here, but. It sounds like something that um, that that people would enjoy, and, yes. and and you know especially if there was a charitable component to to it. I mean, I think it sounds really cool, and it sounds really um, it just sounds really fun. Like people really, you know, took it in stride, and uh, it just sounds very cool. Yeah, it was it was very cool. It was a lot of eating. It was very difficult at some points to write and eat and take photos <laughs> at the same time. So I had a friend come with me just as an extra set of hands. And it was kind of nice. You know, you had a buddy like, here, hold my sandwich. I have to take a photo. Yeah. Oh, that, that is so cool. Well, that, that is, I'll have to check all of those out. But I, I remember you, you doing that. And the Seattle one, that is – and I know that that's, that's a thing that, that, you know, insects are – I didn't realize that it was sold – they were sold at a ballpark in Seattle. It, does, it doesn't really scream baseball, but – no, it doesn't. I don't know what it screams. Might but... I, might I uh, chime in real quick on that uh, subject of the toasted grasshoppers? Yes. Um, I did look at the video. I couldn't hear what Lindsay was saying on the video that's posted on Chad Hartman's page, <laughs> but I got to give Lindsay credit. Uh, I was I was anticipating some sort of bitter beer face moment, but she was a trooper. She did not show her hand. And she she actually kind of smiled through the entire process. So I got to give you props there uh, against. If she had too many grasshopper legs. She couldn't 
do anything because she had too many grasshopper legs coming out of her mouth. It's like, well, and I think it was one of the first things we did. And there was this moment where my friend Sean and I looked at each other and we're like, what if we eat these now? And then we get so sick, we can't enjoy anything else. It was like this risk moment. Like, is this going to be that bad that we don't want to eat anything else? And it, it wasn't. It was fine. Okay. Well, that is very cool. Well, listen, um, thank you so much. You're, you're fabulous. You were great to call us um, uh, when you heard us talking about it because you know, I don't know how we got onto it, but we were talking about that Bloody Mary. Have you, and you, you deserve that Bloody Mary. And I know. Get her back now. <laughs> it's only on Sunday morning. But as oh. I, while I have you on, uh, I have to put you on the spot. Have you put together your Instant Pot yet? I have not. Ask me. Yeah. I'm getting your address. I'm coming over. We're going to put the instant pot together, and then we will. <laughs> well, wait, it's it's put together. Is it is it hard? Is it hard to put together? You just have to read the directions. No, it's not. It's not hard to put together by all means. I mean, it's a couple screws, but the fact that it's still sitting in the box—that's my concern for you. Yes, it's still sitting in the box. So, <laughs> but um, and, and I should because people really do. And are you an Instapot fan? Oh, I love them. I'm obsessed. You're obsessed. Okay, I, I, people I know are. Are obsessed, so uh, yeah. I, I got to get with it's, the program it's here. Of, it's a little culty, you know, like when juicers became really popular about ten right. years ago. Like that's the path we're headed down. Wow. Okay. All right, Lizzie Gensel. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> I certainly appreciate it. And God, it sounds like a great, great, fun time. And that's just crazy. The the grasshopper thing. I'd not, uh, I not. Although I, I must say, the twins' entry sounds fabulous. I don't know if they were – I should have asked her if they were doing awards or whatever. That sounds just so decadently fabulous. I mean that sounds like something that somebody would dream up for the state fair. It probably already is at the state fair for God's sake. But uh, that's very cool. It's always fun to have her on. She always does such a great job with Chad. Uh, they're on uh, 12 to 3 uh, every weekday. Uh, well, coming up, we're going to give you some weather, which is a little – a lot better um, than it was – a couple of weeks ago, the last time I was on. <laughs> it's kind of an understatement, isn't it, Jonathan? Um, and then we're going to talk about uh, free-range kids and letting your kids play uh, outside alone. When do you do it? When do you not? Why is this even a controversy? Uh, and and how have people's attitudes towards this changed? Because they have changed. They certainly have changed uh, over the decades, certainly from when I was a child, which is a long time ago. And then we are going to talk on this national opioid, you know, drug buyback or give back day, excuse me, with Lexi Reed Holton, who's done so much with the Steve Rummler Hope Foundation, Hope Network, excuse me, to get, you know, really spread awareness about what is going on with this epidemic. And she was out there banging the drum long before anybody else. And certainly, despite her efforts and the efforts of so many people, we still are in the midst of such a serious, horrible epidemic. We'll be talking about that as well. So let's take a break and we will give you some weather. It is 636 in the Twin Cities. As May Murphy along with uh, producer Jonathan Lowe with you until 9 o'clock. Uh, at times it's called Free Range Kids. Actually, Utah recently passed a law uh, barring the prosecution in some cases of parents who let their kids play outside. Yes, believe it or not, in states like Maryland, parents have actually gotten ticketed uh, for allowing their children under 12 to play outside by themselves. Obviously, a lot of parents worried about the repercussions of letting their kids play outside by themselves. But is that going too far? Let's talk now with family therapist, child and family therapist, Adam Russo. 
He has written a book called Unwritten Rules, Real Strategies to Parent Your Child into a Successful Adult. Adam, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. All right. Tell us, what is the crux of this debate? Because this really has divides people in a way that, that few issues really do. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting one. I mean, I think so much of it is about, you know, when you look at just labels in general, right, for the past couple of years, I mean, you've been hearing a lot about uh, helicopter parenting, right, and, and the amount parents are just hovering over their kids, trying to make sure that everything in their lives goes so perfectly. This whole free-range parenting model is like, now it has to be labeled again to basically say, now let's just let kids be kids, right? And um, and so a lot of the labels are just about how to counteract other labels. So it kind of gets a little, I think, almost too overly convoluted because the reality is it's just about how do we uh, just let, you know, kids be live and let's let parents kind of figure it out as we go because no one knows all the answers. Right. And, you know, I, I think, you know, in some communities, different communities are affected by different things. In, here in, in Minnesota, there was an infamous kidnapping that was actually just solved. Uh, it was the, kid, the abduction happened in 1989, mm-hmm. and it was just solved a, a couple of years ago. And tragically, the, the child, who was an 11-year-old boy, Jacob Wetterling, was found dead. I did not grow up here as a child, but I, I do know many people who did, and they remember – you know, anybody listening to us who grew up here in Minnesota or in this region uh, who was in their 30s, uh, mid to late 30s, remembers it changed overnight. That child was taken from a, a beautiful community, you know, in a, a very safe community in, in rural Minnesota, and it changed things, and people were scared. Uh, and I, I know that there are stories like that, you know, around the country where it has changed how people do things. And yes, the, the term helicopter parenting, I, I, I know I probably, I know I'm guilty of that and, and it's not the best, but you, you find yourself being too overly protective. Where do you draw the line as a parent? Um, is it, and, and, you know, you, you talk about, well, at a certain age, but, you know, one eight year old is, you know, some eight-year-olds are, are remarkably poised and got it all together, and, and some 12-year-olds don't. Well, exactly. And, you know, and that's where so much of this is about the common sense aspect of parenting. I mean, the, the reality is, I mean, I think anybody can come up with any example of a horrific story that's happened to a child or family and how it just has been absolutely devastating. But the reality is, statistically, you know, it's a, it's a very safe place. I mean, you know, and you can, and the, you know, when you look at the advent of all the information that's available to us at all the time, all the time, it actually feels like things are much worse. But the reality is, is that it's not. I mean, statistically, strange, you're absolutely stranger abductions. Very, 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 very rare. Yeah, I mean, most harm actually that comes to kids is through family members or close friends. When you right. look at it statistically, so including parents. Um, Exactly. Very much. And we look at, and, for, and that's, you know, and if you look at abuse and things like that, it's all through close family members and friends. And, you know, so it's, so, so we look at, we put all this heightened um, intensity on strangers, but statistically, it's just not where it comes from. So you can certainly come up with the, you know, the, the stories and anecdotes to justify the perspective, but, um, you know, it's just not true. The second part is that, you know, as, as a parent, I think we have to start asking ourselves, what is our job? I mean, our job as a parent is to raise kids to be healthful, uh, healthy, independent, successful, and successful defined as whether, uh, whether professional, emotional, uh, relationally successful uh, adults, right? I mean, that's our job. And so uh, then and if that's our job, then the question is, how do we do it best? And, and you know, the whole free-range parenting model says, let's try to help kids grow into that model rather than 
trying to kind of hold their hand all the way to when they're, you know, in their 30s. Like, that doesn't create successful adults. What it does do is help the adults feel better. It helps parents feel better about themselves because, you know, they feel like they're doing everything they can do. But it doesn't, it certainly doesn't do any good for the kids. What, um, what are some of the boundaries that helicopter parents cross? That oh you gosh, see? I, I mean, mean there, there, there are a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, here, I mean, here, here's an example, right? I mean, you know, um, I know one of our local high schools just instituted a rule that said they will not allow parents. This is high schools, mind you. Uh, one of the local high schools just instituted a rule that said they are not going to allow parents to bring uh, lunches or any other items that kids forgot to school. <laughs> oh, because, no. <laughs> because, because they are getting inundated with hundreds of lunches every day. Right, so, right. So or, or you forget the tennis racket, or you forget exactly, the, the, the exactly. shirt you're supposed to wear for the music recital. <laughs> exactly. Right now, but now I mean, now, and, and which high school is doing this? Um, I, my my office is in Naperville, Illinois, so it's a okay. pretty affluent area, and it's um and, and they're starting to they're starting to address it here, because the issue is is that um they're looking around and they're saying these kids are not coping. <laughs> they are not coping. I mean, back in you know when I was growing up, you forgot your lunch, like you had to borrow some money off of a kid and figure something out to try to eat something, right? That was just what you did. People weren't running in to save you, and so now what's happening is that parents are setting this. We talk about boundaries that helicopter parents cross. I mean, at what point do you say my kids who are 15, 16, 17 years old just kind of have to deal with whatever they just forgot, right? You know, they, they, they forgot their tennis racket. Do they have to borrow one from somewhere, use a bad one at the school or borrow a friend's? You know, or whatever. I mean, this is, this is the part that we say if, we're, if our goal is to raise kids who are going to be independent right. and assertive, how is running lunches over to their school helping accomplish that goal? And, and there's not one argument that says that that's doing what it's supposed to do. For and, 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 you know, you're so right, and I'm so guilty of, of doing that, of, of, you know, bailing them well, out. Well, <laughs> and, my, and my guess is if you do it, you do it because you feel better. You say to yourself as a parent, oh, my gosh, how can I let my kid – you know, I don't want them to feel bad. I don't want them to be hungry. I don't want them to think they don't care about me. I write all these things. Well, the reality is, you know, sometimes kids, number one, if they make bad choices, they have to deal with it. Number two, and it's, it's, it's especially true for kids um, who are young, um, parents have to get comfortable with watching their kids cry. They and fail, to, yes. Uh, they, they just do. I mean, you know, there's negative emotions. There's negative things. We, we, we protect them so much because we think life should be like it's all about this kind of almost like eternal happiness. Um, we, we have to start getting comfortable with letting them be upset and cry. All right. Well, that that is such good advice. It really is. In terms of um, the decision to, to let them, you know, go out on their own and, and, and explore – you know that's something that that's really difficult uh, for a lot of parents. Um, how do you help parents navigate that? Well, I think you know you were saying it earlier. I mean, I think it, it's so much of it is the common sense, and it's based on where the kids are. I mean, the reality is there are there are eight year olds, nine year olds who you can say you know go wander the you know go to the park, do whatever, and they're and you know that they're going to just be totally fine because they're very savvy kids. You know, there's there's 12 and 13 year olds where you would say, I don't know if you should be going anywhere yet because I don't totally trust your judgment, right? So it's not about the age; it's about it's about the maturity of the kids, and it's up to the parents, the parent relative to the maturity of the kids, using common sense 
and the knowledge that, that they have about their children. And if they can put all those things together, then it's pretty easy. Then, then you know, the eight-year-olds or nine-year-olds who can wander a little bit will wander, and the ones who can't won't, right? I mean, that's that's the idea. But but if we get to this regulatory place that just kind of puts blanket ages on things, and it puts parents in a bad place because you have some parents who, whether out of choice or necessity, think that their kids can handle some things, and now all of a sudden they're being told they can't. Like, that's where it kind of gets a little... Little gray. Uh, my guest is Adam Russo. He is a child and family therapist. Uh, his most recent book, Unwritten Rules Real Strategies to Parent Your Child into a Successful Adult. Let me ask you about the role cell phones play in terms of this overall discussion. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> yeah. you, you've got kids, obviously, as young as eight or nine, who do have smartphones. Oftentimes, they're a way for parents to be able to check in, especially working parents. You know, all of these phones have apps. You can check where they are. Uh, and it's – you're texting. You can text them when they're at college or high school. Where do you see that coming in? Well, well, I think the first point that you made is really the gray area number one is kids at eight and nine having a smartphone, right? I mean, you know, there's a, there's a big difference between having a phone and having a – smartphone, right? Like, you know, kids who are eight and nine, if they need a phone because parents need to check with them, that's fine. But they shouldn't be having ones that are equipped with a whole bunch of different apps and things like that, right? I mean, you know, there are some basic phones that kids can have. And I think parents get too overboard with the kind of technology that they give their kids at too young of an age. So that is a that, that's a big part of it. The second part is that in general, like with phones, is that parents seem to think, well, now I can kind of track my kids, and you know they're kind of plugged in, and I can do you know see whatever they're they're doing. But again, it goes to who's feeling better. I mean, are kids feeling like they're tethered to like a virtual leash, or um, are we letting kids be independent? I mean, if if kids if if parents are letting their kids do something, then they have to trust their kids that they should be doing it, you know, and doing it well. Not, not, you know, I'm going to let them do it, but I don't trust them at all. And therefore, I'm going to use this technological, again, leash to, to hover on them. So I think we have to really understand why are we using technology? If we're using it as a, as kind of a, a life preserver, so to speak, for kids to access their parents, then great. I, I believe in that. But if parents are using it as a way to um, always watch and monitor what their kids are doing um, because they don't trust them at all and, you know, all these other kind of different things, then, then I think we have to question what, what's the purpose of technology in those situations. How much is, is the technology issue, does that come up in, in, in what you do as, as a child and family therapist? Well, a ton. I mean, I mean, more so in the social media context. I mean, you know, sure. the par- parents are letting kids get involved in the whole social media thing way earlier than they can. I mean, gosh, even adults can't handle social media. So the fact that we're letting kids do it is, I, I don't understand that at all. Um, you know, there, there. I know it's kind of a part of life, but there's, but there's got to be a, again, a common sense part for parents that that helps them teach that. So. Um, but, but parents very often are just kind of letting kids, you know, you know, just, you know, hey, yeah, get on Facebook, get on Instagram, do whatever. Um, and it's just way more complex, especially because, you know, parents need the likes on their posts just as much as the kids do. So that's where it gets a little convoluted. Right. But, but that, that's probably, I would say, the biggest part of, um, of technology and, and things um, in, in the practice is really on the social media platform. Right. Well, and what I, I think is so difficult, though, is that that there are so many of these devices that these kids have access to and that we have access to. I mean, it's, you know, you can limit the TV or, or the, the phone, but then they've got their computer, which sometimes is, you know, given to them through the schools. I mean, it's 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 mm-hmm. really tough to, 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 to put limits on it. 
And I also kind of wonder too about, you know, just the whole communication bit um, because they're communicating – the kids are communicating so much on their phones and, and their smartphones with – even when even when there are the, the other kids in the same room with them, they're talking to each other on their phones. You, know, you kind of wonder what, what this generation is going to end up well, being able to communicate at all. Well, you're, you're exactly right. I mean one of the things that, that's missing most that most employers uh, note that's missing in, in their new hires now is interpersonal skills. And so it's not – so I think that, you know, it's what you're talking about is, you know, this, this powerlessness that a lot of parents feel. There's all this technology all the time. You know, if I'm, man, if I'm monitoring their cell phone, the school's giving them a computer or there's, you know, this thing or that thing. And like, how do I monitor all this technology? And the reality is it's incumbent on parents to figure out how to do it um, because, you know, the, the hard part for parents is that, it, you know, virtually all parents, you know, today – didn't grow up with all this stuff. So just because we didn't grow up with it doesn't kind of absolve us of the responsibility to manage it. And it's incumbent on parents to figure out how do we manage this. If we don't know technology, well, we better learn fast. It's, a, it's, our, it's our job. Right. Um, or if we don't know technology, then we have to figure out how do we take this stuff away when it needs to be monitored because that's our job. And we right. can't just plead ignorance and powerlessness and say, oh, oh well, I don't know. It's a yeah. different world. I don't know what yeah. to do. Um, that's that's a lazy excuse, and I think parents lean on that way too often. Okay. Uh, child and family therapist Adam Russo, the book Unwritten Rules, Real Strategies to Parent Your Child into a Successful Adult, going back to letting kids out on, on their own. Any kind of key bullet points you can leave our, our listeners with? Well, yeah. I mean, I think in the end it's just that um, as a parent, you know, our job is to raise he- healthy, successful uh, kids to turn into he- you know healthy, successful adults. And then as a parent, I think the number one question we have to ask is, how am I doing? What judgment am I making today that's helping my kid accomplish that goal? And there's a time at different ages for different things at different times that, that kids can be pushed to, to do more. And, um, and, and their ages don't necessarily matter, but we have to look as parents to say, how am I pushing my kid to be, uh, you know, a healthy, successful, independent adult? And that's our job. And let's use, let's, as a parent, we know our kids the best. We have to trust that we know our kids the best. And we have to use common sense to dictate how to, how to best do that. All right. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much. We certainly appreciate your time this evening. Uh, great information, Adam Rousseau. Thank, thank you. you. Thank All you. right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. You are listening to News Radio 830 WCCO. That was an interesting discussion, and I have to say that I am guilty of being a helicopter parent. I, I, I'm guilty of being the mom that brings the lunch or the, the tennis racket or the shirt or the piece, the homework that's like <laughs> that they've worked on that's sitting on the, de- on the kitchen table. And, you know, it's, it's difficult, and I think that was very, very good advice. And it's also, I do monitor my kids on where they are through the smartphones. One of the reasons I have give smartphones, but I know it's not something that you should be doing. Well, Esme, listen. did you put a chip in their necks? No, but, but that's one of the great <laughs> things about, one of the great things about having a smartphone is find my iPhone. First of all, you can find your phone because I'm always losing it, but then you can find your relatives. Some tells me that there's, there's a shock collar feature on the, <laughs> on the chip that's in your kid's bicep right now. No, I, I've thought about that, but, uh, you got to draw the line somewhere. Um, anyway, coming up, a uh, couple more hours here. Uh, 
uh, Esme Murphy, along with Jonathan Lowe. We've got Lexi Reed Holton, who's the executive director of the Steve Rummler Hope Network. And I know that there were events all over uh, the region where people could give back their unused uh, pills. We're going to talk to her about that. And this is somebody, you know, she lost her fiance, I think in about 2010, to a heroin overdose. He was also, he had been previously addicted to opioids. And she really has done so much here. She's really been uh, in the vanguard of trying to help uh, combat this epidemic for many years. Before anybody else was talking about it, this woman was talking about it. So we want to check in with her. And then we're also going to talk about uh, juvenile justice reform with an author. Uh, about 2,200 juveniles are currently sentenced to life in prison without parole. I thought the Supreme Court had made some changes to that, but we're going to visit with an expert on that as well. Uh, and then also a visit with the uh, folks at the Minneapolis Farmer's Market, which I just can't wait. I can't wait to see that Farmer's Market back on Nicollet Mall. I mean, it's going to be so awesome. And then at 8 o'clock, we're going to chat with Professor David Schultz about laws when it comes to DNA and familial DNA gathering. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.